It's time for the True Sports Card Show, the only one-hour radio show that gives you the very latest in sports memorabilia news from around the world. Here are your hosts, industry expert Imran Pilati and Sacktown Sports 49ers insider Emil Fragoso. In honor of today's guest, I'm going to start with, uh, well, good morning to you. It's Emran over at True Sports Cards, and I'm solo in the studio today. I've got Chris behind the window. But Emil, my co-host, my boo, he's out on assignment. He's got the Niners game that he's got to cover today. Niners-Packers today at 515 on Fox, I believe, is where it's going to be played. Um, So he's out in the field, and so is Nate. So my two best buds in the whole wide world have left, and I'm here with Chris, and we're buds, but, you know, I miss my guy. So I'm solo in studio. So last minute, I text and I said, hey, I'm really interested to see, see if I can get this guy on with me. And of course, as always, he comes through. I'm going to be bringing on the card father, Rob Veris, a.k.a. Burbank Sports Cards here in just a second. But let me do a few things for housekeeping. As you know, last week we had our uh, true sports cards. Um, it was our trade night. We had over 100 people in there on a rainy night. It was awesome. Had a great time. And as usual, uh, lots of trades and, and sales that went down within the shop. We love having those. Wanted to share with you a couple of things. First of all, today is Saturday. We've got the game on at 5.15. However, my team will be leaving early. We're closing one hour early. We normally are open until 6 p.m. Today, we're going to be closing at 5 so the guys can run home and watch the game with their friends and family. That's really important to us. So, the weird part about it would be, why would you be going to a card shop at 5 o'clock right before the Niners game comes on? Don't do that to yourself. At least don't do it to ours. You'll be standing outside because we close at 5 p.m. today. So that'll happen. You can hear my voice. Chris, am I okay? I sound okay? You sound good. Thank you. I just want to make sure Chris had a little time on the radio. That's about enough, Chris. Uh, that two seconds was enough. Um, all right. So a couple of other things for housekeeping. A lot of people came in this week to grade cards and a lot of newbies, people that had never graded a card before. So for those of you that have never graded a card before, I want you to experience that. And in fact, I want you to experience that on my dime. So do me a favor. Go to truesportscards.com, our website, and in the right-hand side, you'll see a little uh, like a magnifying glass. Click on that magnifying glass. Then I want you to type in the letters SGC. S like Sam, G like George, C like Charles. And then it'll pull up uh, two options or three options. And one will say SGC card grading, single card for $20. I want you to click that and add it to your cart. Then I want you to check out. Once you go to the checkout, you're going to enter the promo code SPORTS1140. That's SPORTS1140. And it will take the 20 bucks and it'll make it go away, disappear. And then you're able to punch in your information. You'll get a free promo for you to bring in your card, whichever one you choose, to bring into the shop. And then we would get that graded for you completely free. That's right. I'm losing money to get you to have the experience of being able to grade a card. It usually takes about three weeks turnaround for SGC. We'll get the card graded for you and give you a chance to really experience what it's like to get a card graded. Whether it's a 1 or it's a 10 or anything in between, getting that card graded would show you how it gets done and how me and my team will do it for you at True Sports Cards here at uh, 6661 
Stanford Ranch Road in Rockland, California. We'd love to see you bring that by the shop after you use the promo code SPORTS1140 after going to our website, truesportscards.com. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit later. Uh, I've got Rob for the next 40 minutes or so, so I want to make sure that I spend a lot of time with him talking about the Burbank Card Show that's coming up next month, as well as some tips on card etiquette and, excuse me, uh, sports cards show etiquette and how to act and best practices for a card show when you go. But before that, I wanted to mention that we do have Bowman Draft Baseball that I just reordered. We should have it back this week. This is a, the product that has the Brady in his Expos uniform. Um, that Bowman Draft Baseball is five fifty nine a box. You can see that if you hit the Brady's, they're really rare. Brady Refractor closed yesterday for $750 just for the regular refractor. Regular chrome card, not even a refractor, closed on the 19th for $382. A PSA 10 refractor sold on the 19th for $2,500. And if you get lucky enough to pull one of those gold number to 50 autos of Tom Brady, one closed on the 15th of January for $14,300. Pretty simple stuff to pull out of a a box. I will tell you that I've seen tons of boxes. Very few Brady's have been pulled out of those. And that doesn't even count about some of the prospects. And like, for example, Wyatt Langford, the hottest prospect in the product. Uh, you pull that guy's card and auto. You're looking at a couple hundred bucks to a couple thousand. If you pull the gold cards that are coming out this week, want to let you know that upcoming Don rest basketball is coming out with a special case hits of night moves and animation. It's about $300 a box. That's going to be one autograph per box. Also, 2023 Stadium Club Baseball. That was pushed back multiple times. It's finally back out. Comes out with two autographs per box at a really affordable price of $130 per box. That's around that. And then finally, Phoenix Football, the Chromium cards coming out 2023. That's $375 a box. That's two autographs and one memorabilia per box. With certain case hits like Metropolis and Fuego and Phoenician, those are the case hits that are coming out of those boxes, and so that's a really exciting product that's coming out. We'll have that about three seventy-five bucks. When I say about, the reason why I can't put a price on it is because wax is so volatile as far as pricing. I'll tell you, we just had um, twenty twenty-three Absolute Football come out. You know, the one with the kabooms, and that stuff came out. And guess what? It started at five thirty. Then it went to six fifty. Then it went to seven fifty, and now it's in excess of eight hundred dollars a box. Believe me, I don't want that to happen. But if I need to put it on my shelf, I got to pay market price, and it sucks because I really want to be able to save this with you. But can I make a suggestion for those of you that find wax boxes too high in price? In some cases, they are. Go buy the singles. We got plenty of them. Whether you come to me, Burbank Sports Cards, when you're in SoCal, or anywhere in between. Uh, just do yourself a favor, find the cards that you like, spend the money buying the cards that you want instead of chasing cards and getting cards you don't. Uh, and here I am as a sports card shop owner telling you, get a mix going. Buy the wax that's affordable to you as well as some of the cards that you want. All right, enough of my yapping. We're going through this hour straight through with no commercials like we always do. I'm proud to bring on, once again, the card father, a.k.a. Rob Varis. It should be reversed, Rob Varis, a.k.a. the card father, but here we are. <laughs> Rob, thanks for uh, joining me. It's been at least an hour since I gave you a heads up that you'd be on today's show. I appreciate you jumping on. I got the text, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's so exciting. <laughs> I've been giddy. Here we are. Here, 
Here we are. Okay, Rob. So one thing that I want to make sure that we talk about right off the bat is the new year and kind of what you're seeing in the trends of a card shop and what you're getting. I'll tell you what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people coming in and buying cards as usual, if not more than usual, but they're being really selective about the wax that they're purchasing and being a lot more um, responsible with what they're buying. What what are you seeing in SoCal and Burbank uh, with your card shop? Yeah, I'm seeing um, demand. I'm seeing store traffic that is picked up, I think, from this time last year. And I think people are just being smarter with their money in this economy that they're in. I don't think they're throwing things willy-nilly at products. And I preach every single day that just buy the card that you actually want. You won't be disappointed. And our single sales are through the roof, whether it's online, um, whether it's in the shop. I think people are starting to realize that this money that they're spending, these cards, will they want to look at them in five years? And the chances are no, when they're just willy-nilly, blindly throwing money at product. And the product's expensive. Um, So I'm seeing a lot more singles sales um, and a lot more people starting to really rethink how they engage with the card market. And to me, that's what's going to keep this going into the future. So um, I'm really, really stoked about that. And and of course, you need to build your shop to make it where these people actually can engage and buy singles and be organized and keep things fresh. So I think that's exciting for the industry as a whole. That's exactly what we've done. So since the last time you were on, which is about a month and a week or so, uh, I put an emphasis to my team, particularly Ethan, who works on our, at our shop, to really focus on the eBay listings. We increased our eBay active listings from the time that you were on. We had about 1,300 listings. Today, I looked and we're at over 7,300 listings. Wow. And what we've done is we really put a focus to make sure that we put the cards into eBay because it's becoming our inventory system. Here's what I mean by that. So when somebody would come in and they say, hey, do you have any Joe Montana cards? We'd go, sure. And we'd look in our case. And if there was not a Joe Montana card that was $50 or above, we'd go, it's over there somewhere in the uh, hot corner where you can pull the cards down off the wall in a box and sit down and look at them. And they're somewhere in there. And that was really a crappy answer for me to be able to say that. I, You said something on our last show where you said, we're in the business of saying yes to our customers. And I never forgot that, even though it was five weeks ago. It's not like we said it five years ago, but five weeks ago. And I thought, you know what? If we could just upload these cards, no matter if they're a buck or they're 30 bucks, if we could somehow upload these cards and have them in our eBay that way we can search our eBay, which is True Sports Cards 916 is our eBay ID, True Sports Cards 916. I could go, okay, it's not in the case. Montana's not in the case. Let me look and see what we have on our eBay. Click, click, click. Oh, you know what? We have eight Joe Montanas available. Here's the pictures of them. Which one would you like? We'll go back to the back room and go get it for you. So with you, Rob, two point something million listings on eBay, I'm sure that it creates an inventory system for you too because for me, Man, we're churning and burning. We're not a museum. We sell cards there. And uh, in order for us to be able to say yes to our customer, yes, we have that. We need to create an inventory system. I'm sure that's maybe a similar way that you do it. I'm not quite sure how you do it at the massive amounts of cards that you go through. It's funny. I had um, a dealer from Canada in, I think, maybe a week and a half ago. And he told me he had 10 million cards. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. Where can I find them online? (laughs) Well, We've never put them online. And I'm like, you might as well have zero cards. Right. 
Um, you know, and he's like, they're all in my back. They're all stacked up. And a card is worthless unless you can get it online. And the um, other thing um, that you're getting out of this, obviously, is you're getting new customers online. You're getting your inventory global. And maybe someone that didn't know where you were at all of a sudden bought a card from you. You have a business card in there and you've gained a customer. And I don't think enough people in this modern market where all these dealers have come in the last three, four years, even have websites. And which I find astonishing. I'm like, I'm like, you're catering to just this local market when you need to be global. Um, you buy a lot of cards that probably aren't popular in your market, but are high demand somewhere else. So getting these cards databased, having an organized system, having processes that uh, make things efficient, um, whether it's the database you're using, the scanners that you're using, your ability to identify things. But I'm proud of you. I mean, that's a lot of work. My wife is my wife Jessica's listening right now. Did you hear that, Jessica? Rob said that he's proud of me. He I, I, I did it. None of this is easy. <laughs> That's the part that I tell people. Like you know, we've we've only been open a two years and change. Um and we've seen some success. You know, I'd like to see more like you know, like anybody would, but this is a this is hard. That's why people that's why you can't just open a shop. I've I've seen grand openings and grand closings inside of the two and a, two and a half years that we've been open, and we're we're grown. We grew forty percent year over year. And I see. Why do you think, Rob? There's so many other card shops or dealers or people that just are so adverse to the changes needed. And, and I'll give you one quick example. So the one thing that I hear most is people complaining and bitching about the um the ebay fees okay and what oh it's 15 percent and uh, i don't want to pay that bro you're not getting 1 million plus eyeballs on your card for free i would love to pay that tax and i i tell people this too in real estate because that's my background people are like i have to pay a referral fee of 25 to 30 percent to you for referring me a piece of business, other agent? Yeah, because you pay it at the end, after the sale happens, after you have money in your pocket. So once you make that sale of a card on eBay, sure, it's 15% or whatever your number is, but you would have never had the kind of exposure without putting money out of your pocket to put it somewhere to have that kind of eyeballs looking at it. So why, Rob, do you think people are so adverse to these changes? It's a lazy industry is just the, the quick answer. Um, for a lot of people back in 2020 and 21, it was an easy business, buy something, grade something, flip something, get in product, 3X your money because the market was crazy. Um, but things are getting a little tougher and Fanatics is gonna be taking a lot of that money off the table. And I think that most people don't embrace the grind. Um, I'm gonna say 90 8% of the shops that popped up in the late 80s, early 90s, when you had that wave, no longer exist. Um, in a lot of cases, it's just the work. I mean, there's 20 million different SKUs out there. Every product that comes out has 150 different subsets. Um, not everybody is geared to do that kind of work. And 
I think today, and especially going forward, that's going to be the expectation of customers is, does this company care about my business? Um, are they keeping things fresh in the showroom? Are they able to sell us cards? And how fast will those cards get processed and into the showcases? I'm here three hours before opening um, I know in my feeling. 30th year of owning this business yeah. and 44th year of being involved in this business here. And it's just got to be embraced. And obviously you've made a mandate to your employees that, look, this is where the margins are. This is where the um, customer satisfaction is. And you're looking at your shop possibly from the customer side of the counter and saying what when they request something, um, can we accommodate it? You know, some of these are pretty simple requests, but dealers unfortunately say no to most of them. And those are the shops that aren't going to survive this. Um, You know, it's allocations are up in the air what people will be getting going forward. Um, And too many people really are focused on their success being from someone outside their four walls. And if that's your situation where you can't be self-contained, you're in a world of trouble. It's interesting that you mentioned allocations and I'm going to, I'm going to pull back the curtain for a second for some of our listeners that really don't understand the allocation portion of it. Tops Fanatics, as an example, when you have a direct account like you and I do, Rob, I believe there's no way that you don't have a direct account, but I do. And uh, what I would tell you is, is that we are given a certain amount of, would you like to buy this many cases that are available to you, car shop owner? It's not like they go, how many do you want? And I go, I want 75 cases. And they go, sounds good. And we'll send it to you. They go, here's two available to you. Would you like them or not? Uh, and then you know, for the most part, I say yes. And because our customer base has been great to us and coming in and, and buying the wax boxes through us, we usually blow through them in the first day or two. And then the question is, well, when are you guys going to get more? Well, I'm going to go on the computer tonight at two o'clock in the morning after my wife and baby go to bed. And I'm going to be pounding the computers looking for a replacement boxes. So that way I can get them shipped here because I'm done with my allocation. The, the tops fanatics, group has not given me more to buy. They might later, but I don't have them at the moment. So I got to go hunt and peck to find more. And then they go, well, then how come I have to pay more tomorrow than I did the day after that, the day before that? It's because I'm now paying an uplifted uh, wholesale price that costs more because it's not coming anywhere cheaper than from Tops and Fanatics Direct. So if I'm buying from somebody secondary from that, I'm going to be paying their little bit uplifted price in order for me to be there. So there's a lot of factors that come into replacing the wax. And as you mentioned, Rob, the distributors are slowly being peeled away. These middlemen are being peeled away and the, and tops and FedEx are saying Burbank cards. We're going to go directly to you. We're going to not go to the distributors, uh, true sports cards. We're going directly to you. And, and those margins are, uh, smaller, but we are able to get the product, but more at a limited basis. Rob, as you're replacing, do you have like your own wax team that goes out? Who handles, I don't need to know by name, but like how do you supply that demand of the wax? Yeah, the problem is pretty much day one, you're pretty much out, you know, and and that's an issue. Um, Ryan, my son, is out there. He's got different um, contacts out there. DealerNet B2B has been around for over 30 years, and that can be a way to pick up product, but you, you, you know, um, 
that first point in time that you have product in that price, um, people need to understand that that might not be the price the next day because your prices are built on replacement costs, not original costs. And sometimes you'll have dealers that don't sell through things as quickly. So they might still have that original price, but you've already sold through and you've already replaced it at a higher price. Then people are looking at you like, you know, that you're trying to rip them off, yeah. you know, this other person hasn't changed their price yet. Right. Like, yeah, it's one of those things. I don't blame the customer. I would buy it from the other person as well. That's understandable. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's problematic, but, um, we are always in chase mode for, you know, 50, 60 different products across all the sports, non-sports, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's problematic because no, they don't give you what you want that you're lucky to get anything. And, uh, and that's why I always tell people, you just can't be, um, dependent just on the manufacturers selling you product because there's no guarantee that you're even going to get those two cases going <laughs> no forward. And those two cases don't pay your bills. You know, margins are tight. You're no longer 2X, 3X, like during the crazy of the pandemic. Now you're needing to work on 25 points, mm -hmm. which isn't going to get you rich anytime quick. And if you only got 12 or 20 boxes to do that with, you know, it's, it's a great customer service, but it's not, you know, going to get you rich. So. Look, look at us, two card shop owners complaining about the margins. I, I, I would... You're not complaining. I complain because my customers hear it. So I would just want to make sure that they know that there's some real uh, mathematical logistics that we have to play constantly. It's a lot like crab legs when you go over to a, a place for market price. You're, you sit down and you're buying it at the market price. Not that Rob and I are sitting here inflating it. It's what, what we have to pay to get it back on our shelves for you to choose from. Yeah, and, and to make matters worse... Now we're going to be competing with the company that produces the cards and retails the cards as well. We've never really had to do that before. Tops has always had some random stuff on their websites and Panini as well. But literally, Tops comes out with Bowman's Best and puts the marketing materials out there early and is in the market selling that product. And you're going up against a behemoth mm -hmm. with all kinds of um, web presence and they'll have presence at the stadium and you're competing against that, which is very rare in business that as a retailer, you're competing against a manufacturer that can have an unlimited amount of product in their warehouse. So um, people need to understand that it's, it's a hard business and um, you know, it's, if you're only going by the low hanging fruit that everybody else is doing, you're going to be out of business. And I think a lot of these shops have found that out the hard way that um, you need to be reliant on yourself more so than with the manufacturers. Totally agree with you. You know, I've seen, um, I was just happened to be clicking around and, and just looking at businesses because I'm working on a keynote speech that I'm going to be doing um, in Florida when I travel there in, in a month or so. So I was looking at some inspiration. I was looking at businesses, some of the most uh, successful ones that actually go through and some of the ones that are, that, that fail, but most new businesses just in general are out of the business uh, within the first year. Uh, usually 40% of the time they're out of the business in the first year because they haven't tracked correctly or they had market expectations that didn't, that weren't matched. There's a lot of things that come into play with the business and 66% of businesses that are startups are 
out of business within five years. Now, Rob, you're 44 years in the game, 30 yeah. plus years in this. I'm trying to do the same thing. If I could replicate even a tenth of what you're doing, I would feel good. I know what you guys are thinking. I'm kissing his ass, but I kind of am. Point of what I'm getting at is when you're when you're looking at <clears throat> the marathon, you're pacing yourself at the beginning. And I'm watching these guys out there, you know, absolutely going all the way to the wall <clears throat> with uh, every aspect and trying to grab every single dollar that they can independent of how they make their customer feel. And I'm just not interested in doing that. So the slow, long burn may take uh, some patience, but I promise you I will be here five years from now when your your favorite discount uh, place to get cards might be out of business. We'll see. Uh, Rob, let's talk about the Burbank Card Show. You've got this big event happening next month. I'm part of it. My team's part of it. We'll be there for all three or four days. That's going to happen. Um, not spending too much time specifically on the shop show because we'll we'll spend it as we get closer. Any new developments, anything exciting that you want to add to it? And I want to talk about card show etiquette here in, right after that. But what's new developing, developing story here at the Burbank Card Shop? Card show, uh, I apologize. for. We got, yeah, um, we've done three shows now. Our first one was August of 22. So we're still pretty new in the game here. Um, we're back at the Ontario Convention Center in California. Amazing how many people think that we're doing this in Canada. Um, we A, we um, did this last February there. We had the main hall. This time we have the whole building, which is um, really cool for us. We're able to do bigger activations. We have more room for corporate. We sold out a corporate space pretty quick. Everybody that's all the corporates that have done our shows before are coming at us bigger. Um, which is exciting because um, there's going to be a lot of cool things for the customer there. Do you feel that uh, that's a necessary component of today's card shows? I think it is. I think people want to meet uh, these people that they um, don't get to meet on a regular basis, be able to sit and talk to an SGC or a Beckett or a PSA. Mm -hmm. um, these are just companies in ivory towers to a lot of people that they don't get that face-to-face -face interaction with. And I, I think it's big. Um, to have that. Um, SGC um, came in um, with um, a price point that's really um, something we're really impressed. Um, they're doing, as a show special, 15 bucks a card with um, five to 10 day turnarounds, which is unprecedented. They don't really do that anywhere else, sure. but that's only stuff that's dropped off at the show. PSA will be taking subs Thursday and Friday um, and be able to return those by Sunday. Beckett actually brought the machines to grade on site. No way. <laughs> they do that, I think, in um, the National, and they do that at the big show in Canada, the National show up there. So um, that's huge that they're bringing the machines out. and They have that kind of confidence in the traffic that will bring. Um we have um, for VIP tickets, we have a momentum memento that is amazing. That is going to change the game. We have a couple partners putting that together. Fanatics events has done nothing up until this point. Their first thing is they're doing VIP night where they'll have like question and answer kind of mingling with the folks from Fanatics, which is huge. Um, you'll get a free drink ticket from them. So we're really proud to be the first show um, to feature them. Um, we'll have about 600 dealer tables. 
And these are dealers from all parts of the world. So you're not seeing a lot of the same inventory you see um, regularly at local shows. Um, and then we're also going to have the biggest buyers in the industry as well, so that you'll be able to bring cards in, get liquid, and get that money spent on the uh, show floor, which, of course, is big for all the dealers there. I, 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 I want to highlight that for a second, okay? So I love it because uh, we're on YouTube as well as on the radio, and my team is there at the shop. AJ and the rest of my team are there, and shout out AJ and the team. And uh, what I'll tell you is, is that one thing that I really take pride in is that we buy almost everything that walks in the door, okay, cool. card-wise. And getting them liquid, you talked about liquidity. It's been a language. I The first time I heard the word liquidity in the real estate, excuse me, <laughs> you can tell my background, in the sports card game has come from your mouth, Rob. Creating it liquid, taking cards you don't want, selling them to a place, creating liquidity, getting money back in your hands to buy cards that you do want. I try to replicate that. And what I learned about what I what I learned early on in my business career was what's called the case method, which means copy and steal everything. And uh, Rob, I will tell you that when I first started the shop, I really copied a lot of stuff that you did in a good way, right? And with respect to what you you do, um, we're not in competitive markets in the sense of physically with each other. So I like to brainstorm and work with people outside of my market to help me be better at what I do. And what I would tell you is, is that like, you know, people come into our store every day. Uh, Pete is our main buyer along with myself. We have other team members that still buy, but we buy just about everything depending on the price, right? It's not a percentage. It's how well does this person or a card sell? How fast can we turn it? That kind of adjusts what we can offer on, on the cards. But I would tell you that Many people come to us because they say that where they do get their card, where they bought it from wax or whatever, doesn't buy their cards back from them. And it's so important to me to be able to say, yes, we will buy your cards back uh, and we'll make you liquid so you can buy more cards. And people can shop anywhere they want. But this is my show, so I'll talk about the, the way that I say this. Go to where people help you be more liquid in your market. We buy it, we pay you quickly, we get you back out in the in the field with money that you can spend at a show or whatever. Rob, you have done that. You find that to be important, whether it's at a show or whether it's at your shop. That liquidity is incredibly important to turn cards you don't want to into money to buy cards that you do want to, right? I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to the godfather of this, the card father himself, but talk to me about the liquidity and the importance of that to have somebody be able to cash you out. Yeah, I mean, no liquidity, no industry. Um, if there's no faith in the cards, um, it's problematic. People just can't keep dinging their cards on breaks and just boxes. It, it's a two-way collectible market. It's We're not selling microwaves. Um, we're selling something with perceived value. And we're going to open the doors at 11 o'clock, and I'm guaranteeing there'll be 10 people's names on our seller list um, immediately. We'll have... We have between three and four um, buyers on, uh, on uh, you know, here on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And and you need to look at those sellers as profit opportunities as a buyer. Um, if you don't have fresh inventory in your store, um, you're dead. And if people, um, you know, can't get liquid on things, you know, we want them to come in and we give them $300 in store credit to use any way possible in the shop. And we want to take that 300 
and do the work, do the grind and turn it into five or 600, create new customers and take that five or $600, buy more product. It's how we've built our business over decades is just like you, I'm not a manufacturer. We didn't make these products in our shops. You know, we purchased them and uh, on a show floor, it's critical to have that kind of liquidity. Um, You know, and not only you sell tables to people, and we're not cheap. They're $600 eight-foot tables, and we've sold out every show. And I try to explain to people, it's just not an opportunity to put out showcases and sell your cards, but it's an opportunity to buy cards at a much better level. Mm. Um, you might have to pay the latest comps walking the floor to buy cards. You could be at 70 or 75% when people are bringing them to you, and you can make your table back quickly just on the buying side. And um, which I think is critical as well. Um, we're going to buy a lot more stuff than we're going to sell at that show, but it's going to come back to the shop. It's going to get processed. And I think that's what's built the Burbank brand is that you don't have to come into the shop with any money, but you'll be able to walk out of the shop with product. And Tops has done an amazing job with this, with their buyback program, where they're literally giving you money to put back into the shops right. by basically coming up with common cards. And I think that's been a huge lift for the industry this past year is people can come in with 10 common cards and walk out with $200 worth of product. It's unprecedented. So the shops that don't buy are the shops that are going to really struggle going forward because I consider my customers my distributors. Great Singles distributors. Singles distributors, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, um, we try to buy most everything. Sometimes people come in with bulk commons, and I'm like, look, I actually donate these. We've already got 40 million cards next door, so we don't have a cash use for them. But, you know, we'll get them into the hands of people that might. So, um, yeah, no liquidity, no industry. And I can't stress that enough. Rob, we got you for about eight more minutes before you've got to go unlock doors and let the let the floodgates in. Uh Talk to me about a couple of tips that you would say for somebody that's going to attend a card show, whether it's their first one or their hundredth one. What are some of the things that people should be paying attention to as they go into a card shop card show now? Because we have our big Sacramento Sports Card Expo happening in May. You have yours next month and there'll be a million between now and then. What should somebody be doing when they go to a card show? And and I have a couple tips, but I would love to hear yours before you take off. Well, we used to go to the National to buy. And we would literally buy pallets. And, and you didn't them. set up, if I'm not mistaken, right? You didn't no, set, we don't up. set up. We don't set up at the National. We just go to buy. And uh, my biggest tip I can give you is to walk the floor first and grade the tables. Because, hang on one quick second. You got to like it. He's got to answer the door for somebody. Um, that's how so, the demand works. <laughs> so what I do the shows i will walk the aisles quickly first i'll grade the tables because you could get stuck only getting through three aisles of an eight aisle show um because time is is precious so we walk the floor and we're keeping track of the table numbers going this table is an a this table and, and so these tables that are a's and b's as we walk by we know that's where we want to spend the time because too many people go to a major show and never see a lot of the tables because they get hung up with the table 
that might not be nearly as good as a table that's four rows over. And um, so that's critical to me. You know, keep track of your cards. Too many times people are coming up to the front and going, I lost my box, um, which is horrible to hear. But, you know, just definitely keep an eye on your own stuff. And, um, you know, just just your money is limited. Um, make sure that you try to get through the whole show and not just get stuck somewhere early where there were better deals, you know, further down the line. So I, I think that. Yeah, I love that tip because so many times you stop at the first table and you're like, well, I didn't see anything left. Well, you. You missed it because you were at the table, one table for two hours searching through the value boxes and you missed potentially some other ones that you maybe a specific card you were looking for. And that's a great tip. Rob, here's another tip that I would say. If your intention is to come in as somebody that's bringing cards to sell, know your damn comps. Like at least know what your card's worth because here's what I don't want to be as the guy that's sitting at the table. I don't want to be the guy that not only has to buy your cards, because not has to, but would like to buy your cards, but now I gotta be the guy that's gotta comp your cards because you didn't look. Then I gotta be the guy that offers you, like do a little bit of research. I had a guy come into the shop the other day to sell me his cards. Nice guy, and I ended up buying from him, so it ends with a happy story. But he says, here's the eight cards that I wanna sell. What will you offer me for them? And I go, well, let's start with how much are they worth? And he goes, I don't know. I said. You've got a Zion case. It's clear that you're a collector. You should know. And two, how much do you want for it? Well, I don't know. What do you want to offer? It's like, I didn't know these cards existed until 15 seconds ago. And you want me to establish value for my resale. You want me to be able to come up with a price that's fair. And I have to just pluck a number out of the air. Like, come to me prepared with what your comps are. Uh, what the most recent sales are and what you would like for the card. So if you're going to a card show in order to not frustrate the person that you're trying to get money from come prepared. That's what I would say. Um, A couple other things here as a seller price, your damn card. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to stop at a table and play that game um, and feel like they're getting sized up. Price your cards. Um, people don't price your cards. I just walk right by them. I have no interest. Listen, we're not the dollar store, right? So right. you don't go to the dollar store and go, how much is this? How much is this? How much is this? Everything's sure. a buck. But unless you are the, you're going to clearly state on your table, every t- card on this table is five bucks. You got to price your cards. That's that's part one. And as a seller too, you need some level of organization. It's not whether you're in a shop or a show, it doesn't really matter. It's not the customer's job to do your work is one thing I like to say in this industry. And, you know, again, walk that show floor first and there might be someone that's far more organized a few aisles over where you can get more cards quickly from that person instead of digging through a bunch of stuff that might not have anything that you want. So um, that's another tip for both sides of the table. And, um, you know, just, uh, you know, just be friendly. I think that's another thing that, you know, you walk up to tables, you're not greeted. I mean, what the hell's up with that? <laughs> I spend money, get... said the dealer with his arms folded, spend money. And I'm not going to yeah. stand up. Why yes. are you bugging me? Yeah, Pro- no. And again, it comes down to put yourself on the other side of the counter. How would you like to be treated? How would you like my cards organized? Would you like to see my cards priced? And would you like for that dealer to at least look at your cards and not um, just say no um, as their for, as the first reaction? Rob, 
We've got you. When is the Burbank Card Show? February 15th through 18th, Ontario Convention Center. We also have announced our summer show um, at the Anaheim Convention Center, again, literally across the street from Disneyland. That'll be August 22nd through 25th. You could go to BurbankCardShow.com. We still have a few tables left. Uh, If you want to get your tickets, you could get them there. And uh, any kind of FAQs or anything else. Um, we can be, we can take care of you there. Rob, we've got, today's the 20th of January. Um, the show's about a month away. Can I get you one last time before the show? Happens? Of course. You made my day. I mean, I got that text. I'm like, I love talking cards. Awesome. Have a great day, Rob. Thanks again for checking in with us and we'll talk to you next time. Card father out. All right, everybody. Thank you for uh, listening in with Rob. We've got Lucas. He did call in. Lucas was actually on the uh on the youtube chat asking a question i'm like you know what let's take a call because i'm solo by myself i got chris behind the window but uh lucas are you there Aaron, how are you my friend i'm good how are you doing good lucas one of our great customers at true sports cards love having him in uh most recently he just had some authentication done by uh jsa it was a ken griffey jr bat excuse me senior bat right lucas yeah, and, that and then 93 Mariners ball. Not Mariners, Marlins. Marlins, correct. See, yeah. we both got things wrong, but we, we're <laughs> here together. Lucas, you asked a good question on in the YouTube chat, but I figured you should ask it on air. And if anybody else has any questions, we got a few minutes before the end of the hour. 916-339-1140. Chris will take that call and set you up if you want to call in. Lucas, what was your question? I'm wondering about the, the different colors on the cards. I have two of the exact same cards that De'Aaron Fox. One's a blue, one's a red. What's the pricing? What's the difference? Uh, well, often hear Ant and Pete talk about, oh, it's a it's a green mosaic or whatever the color is, and I'm wondering what the value difference give, is. Give me more specifics. What year is the card? Is it his rookie card? No, it's just a, uh, it's a 2022 one is a blue and one is a red. I have a bunch of the same kind of cards like that. I have a bunch of maxi cards that are different colors as well. What, I have a, what uh, product are we talking about? Mosaic, Prism, what are we talking about? Uh, Panini Select. Select. Okay. So I'm going to quickly try to do a little research, but off the top of my head, there's all types of colors. There's colors that are not, um, that don't have individual numbering. So for example, um, blue or pink or cracked ice colors, those don't normally have a an actual um, number. Then there's ones like tie-dye that are numbered to 25 or gold that's numbered to 10. Obviously, the more rare, uh, the more the less of the actual count, the higher value that card is. And then there's weird scenarios like, for example, in Select, there's ones like Zebra, which is considered a super short print even though it doesn't have an actual number to it, like a out of 20, it's considered really short print. And the rumor is that there's out of, that they're out of 20. So each one of these parallels cause a way to be able to collect what is considered a rainbow of different cards. I will tell you that as you buy retail, if you're going to target or Walmart or any of those types of retail product, you're very unlikely to see anything that's numbered. My suggestion is buy whatever's affordable. And this is not just for you, Lucas. This is for everybody listening on the radio. Buy what's affordable to you and your budget. Um, but 
<clears throat> try to get numbered cards if you can. That's the preference because then it's a definitive number of cards of that player. So if you could get a De'Aaron Fox number to 49 blue, get it. It's a lot better than getting a De'Aaron Fox not numbered, even if the card looks the same but a different color. Retail product usually does not have color with numbers. So you're just buying it and there's a blue here and a green there and a yellow cracked ice there or yellow reactive there. These ones don't really hold a ton of value. And I will tell you, Lucas, I have five negative reviews out of 300 for our store. And all five of them have something to do with somebody that went to Target, spent a ton of money on retail product, ran into my store thinking that they had their next retirement, and I gave them the bad news that you bought stuff that's shiny that doesn't hold a lot of value. I hope you enjoyed collecting the cards, but the value isn't there. And then they go, well, that sucks because I bought $700 worth of retail over the last month. One star for the guy that told me that it was worthless. It's like telling your doctor, I'm mad at you for telling me that my foot was broken on the x-ray. Like, bro, I'm just reading the x-ray, right? The x-ray tells me that that card is worth two bucks. I'm sorry. So, Lucas, I would tell you that as people have more spendable income to be able to buy cards, go up the ladder and either buy the card that you want directly or buy product that has numbered or or short printed cards that give you a higher value in them. Lucas, I don't know if I answered it perfectly for you, but hopefully I answered some of it for you. You did as always. I appreciate your time. You're the best. I'll see you next time at the shop. All right, everybody. So as we wind down today's show, we've got about five minutes left before we head off the air. I want to kind of just talk a little bit about what's upcoming for these games and what you should look for. There's no hotter team right now than the Niners. The Niners are expected to win today, go through, get to the Super Bowl, and play whoever the AFC representative is going to be, likely the Baltimore Ravens. However, every team is going to have a win or a loss today. So There's half the amount of teams that are going to be going forward. We're going to go from eight to four teams total. <clears throat> and each one of these teams are going to have an effect based on the players represented of that team and whether they lose or win. It's going to affect their card values. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will tell you that there's nobody that's going to be affected more by the card market than Purdy and Jordan Love out of tonight's game. Whatever happens to Purdy, whether they win or lose, his efficiency is probably going to be there like he always is. And my hope is, is that we keep the turnovers down for the Niners in order for us to go through to the other side. I predicted earlier today, I believe it's going to be something like 27-24 Niners. I think Jordan Love, if you look at Jordan Love and Purdy's numbers, they're almost exactly the same, like literally mirror each other on the yearly. But one thing that's different, Purdy didn't play one game where Jordan Love did play 17 and Purdy only played 16 because he sat out the last game. So with that said, I will tell you that both Purdy and Love are two cards to watch. Now, I believe that Love cards, particularly his rookies, are not going to go down even if he does lose. He made that jump. He's made a jump to where he's now in the upper uh, grouping of players, particularly quarterbacks. And that 2020 product, if you're sitting on any of it, whether it be uh, unopened product or you have a bunch of cards in your in your value boxes or whatever you're collecting, that 2020 class is sick. We're talking about Herbert. We were talking about Burrow. We're talking about 
C.D. Lamb. Um, we've got uh, Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts, Tua. That is a sick class of rookies. That 2020 product is going to go up and up and up, and uh, you're going to see some real, um, real value out of that if you have 2020 product. I think, again, Purdy's going to see an uptick if he can get through this. He'll end up playing against the winner of the Bucks and Lions. Let's see how that goes. I will tell you on the other side, when you're looking at other games like Bucks and Lions, I see Jared Goff seeing an uplift if he gets through. And I will tell you, I'm kind of rooting for the Bucks because I feel for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield was out of the 2018 products. He was left for dead. Everybody discarded him. He played for three teams in one year. He was with the Browns, got ceremoniously dismissed for Deshaun Watson. Then he went to Carolina and he was dismissed. So that way they can have the next person up, which eventually became Bryce Young. And then he was dismissed from the Rams because Stafford came back. The poor guy was bouncing around and I think he finally found a home in uh, for the Buccaneers. And, and I'm rooting for him because he appears to be a great guy. I don't know him. We haven't hung out, but... Uh, I feel for a guy that went from doing progressive commercials to now trying to figure out where he was going to be, and and props to him for getting his team to the uh, to the playoffs and where they're at now. Finally, on the other side, we've got the AFC. We've got C.J. Stroud versus Lamar Jackson, Texans versus Baltimore. I'm rooting for the Texans. I want to see C.J. Stroud continue this upper echelon uh, of of his cards, seeing huge numbers. And to be honest with you, if we could eliminate the Baltimore Ravens out of the uh, playoffs, that's good for everybody on the NFC side that may have to go against them. And then finally, the big game, uh, we've got the Chiefs versus the Bills. I remember watching a couple years ago the Bills and Chiefs game. It was insane. They were scoring like nuts. I can't wait to see that game. Mahomes has cemented his legacy as one of the great quarterbacks Coming up on all time, but certainly of the modern era. And then, of course, Josh Allen from Fireball, California, not too far from here. This guy has been uh, running rampant uh, through the through the ground and through the air. He's been great. Uh, Chris, anything else that uh, maybe I forgot that we might want to mention before we close out today's show? Uh, if you want to listen to the Niners game, pregame starting at 415 and kickoffs at 515. Right here right at here Sacktown Sports, 1140. That's right. Team, it's been a great, great show today. Thanks so much for being a part of what we're doing. Thank you to Rob, the card father, for joining us. Thank you for Lucas and his call-in. Thank you for all of you that listen. And for those of you back in Stockton that have been texting me and saying, hey, Amber, I hear you on the radio. I got so much love for the 209. Uh, all my Stockton friends, thank you so much. Corey, Sell, uh, all my friends that check in and listen to the show. It means a lot to me. And please come by our shop. We'd love to see you. True Sports Cards, 6661 Stanford Ranch Road there in Rockland, California. We will be live next week. I will be at the Pittsburgh, excuse me, I'll be in um, Fairfield for the Fairfield Card Show put on by the Card Attic. I will be coming to you live from the show there. Uh, Emil will be in studio. I'll be at the show. But we look forward to seeing all of you either on YouTube or on the radio or even on the podcast replay on the Sacktown Sports 1140 app. We will see you next week. Thank you so much and have a great week. Happy collecting.